Hey guys, this is Danny, and hope everyone is doing well. Hope everyone had a great uh, and relaxing Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, I know for me, I took a few extra days off. It was the first uh, time off from work that I'd had in quite a while. And uh, so it, w- it was nice to just have a little extra time to uh, unplug and relax, get, get some sleep eat some good food. And, you know, even though I wasn't uh, traveling or, or uh, visiting family, like I usually do for the holiday, it was nice to just have a little extra time. Uh, and yeah, of course, watch, watch movies, watch TV. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I did watch the uh, Thanksgiving classic uh, trains, planes and automobiles, which is uh, just a, the perfect Thanksgiving movie. Uh, still held up really well. Still is a lot of fun and, and very funny. Uh, I actually watched um, a movie uh, since it was also, you know, Indigenous Peoples Day, and uh, was trying to uh, expand the horizons a little bit. Watched a movie from the '90s called uh, Smoke Signals. That's all about sort of the uh, a story about uh, a Native American guy who kind of goes off on a, on a road trip in search of his uh, estranged father. And uh, it was sort of a acclaimed indie movie from the late 90s. And I liked it a lot. It was very uh, interesting. And uh, I did feel like while it was, you know, a modern story and it uh, was very uh, a very 90s movie in a lot of ways, um, it also did really give some interesting perspective about, you know, the Native American experience, um, in in kind of the modern United States. Uh, so I, I liked it a lot. And, uh, you know, played a lot of video games. <clears throat> I'm still playing The Last of Us 2, uh, which I think it's crazy because I feel like I've been playing it for so long. I think I'm essentially now at kind of the halfway point where uh, I won't spoil anything, but basically you sort of reach a point where there's a big twist and everything sort of changes up. And now you're kind of playing uh, in a much different way uh, than you were for the game up until that point. And uh, it's a little bit, I mean, it's almost overwhelming because you feel like you've kind of almost gone to the end. You've been playing for, you know, dozens of hours. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, and there's this whole other half to the game. Um, So I almost feel a little bit worn out from the game at this point. But uh, I'm definitely also at the same time excited to see uh, where it goes and and what this what this sort of new portion of the game uh, brings to the table and kind of where the narrative goes from there. Uh, I also have still been playing some Hades, uh, which is super awesome, super addictive. Uh, liking that one a lot. It's just a great sort of uh, pick up and play kind of game, and yet there's so much depth to it and so much. Uh, there's so much kind of uh, layers of the onion that you can pull back as you play. Um, so that game is really just uh, one of the one of the best games of the year for sure. Um, I did sort of succumb to uh, I don't know if you guys know th- know this uh, dude on Twitter Wario sixty four. He basically you know posts uh, every good video game deal that's out there, and anytime a game is discounted or whatever, he you know, he, he's posting it to Twitter uh, and he's just a madman. He I don't know if he sleeps 
but you know he went into even even more overdrive during Black Friday and Cyber Monday and and that whole corridor and just was posting all the all the good deals on games so I did actually finally pull the trigger and get uh Ghost of uh of Tsushima which I've been curious to play so I haven't even uh, started that one yet but um you know I, I want to dig into it so that I can sort of consider it you know in my when I think about my games of the year um I bought uh 13 Sentinels which uh uh, I've heard some really good things about. It's not the the genre of game that I've that I've really gravitated to in the past. This sort of visual novel uh, experience, but it sounded really interesting. And people keep comparing the story to like a lot of the great sci-fi movies um, from the '80s and '90s. So really curious to to try that one out. And I also bought uh, Yakuza, um, the newest the newest game in that series, which is one of those series that I've been meaning to dive into and wanting to for so long. And I actually own uh, several games in the series on PS4. And I just, at some point I'm like, all right, I'm going to binge through the games. I don't know when that will be, but um, I just, I can tell I would, I, I would really like those games. So I'm hoping at some point, maybe, you know, uh, in the next couple of weeks to, to dive into that series a little bit more too. So I did make a couple of Black Friday purchases in that regard. Um, it's interesting. I was looking at uh, new TVs also. Um, you know, like I said in, in an earlier um, podcast, uh, I, I do think that at some point I'll get the PS5, um, maybe sometime next year. And it does feel like that sort of would warrant uh, upgrading to a, a 4K TV, which I do not currently have so it's interesting i did a lot of research on it and um it does feel like the the industry is kind of catching up to the to the game the the tv industry is sort of catching up to the game console industry right now where you know the new consoles really do take advantage of 4k and eventually can take advantage of like you know um 120 uh, hertz refresh rates and hdmi 2.1 and all these great features. And there's actually not that many TVs um, out right now that, that fully even have all those features. So um, it does seem like it might make sense a little bit to wait to get that new TV as more TVs come out next year that are sort of uh, optimized for the PS5 or the Xbox uh, Series X. Um it does seem like as of right now, the one to beat is sort of the LG OLED uh, TVs, which uh, do have that 120 uh, hertz refresh rate and do have HDMI 2.1 uh, ports. Um, so I was looking at some of those. Um, I, you know, I, I don't have room for a huge TV uh, at home. So I was looking at the smaller models, like the 48-inch which was not really discounted for Black Friday. So I figured, you know, I'll hold off. I'll see what happens with the pricing over the next several months, you know, see if any other TVs uh, come out from, you know, whether it's Samsung, Vizio, uh, Sony, that sort of are equally as competitively priced or or even more competitively priced. And, um you know, we'll see what happens, but it it feels like, I mean, I can just share that now that I've done a lot of research, 
it feels like if you're looking to get a new TV and you're willing to spend, you know, uh, kind of in that $1,500 range uh, to get really the best experience, then uh, the, the LG OLEDs are really the way to go for right now. Um, you know, you can get a, a standard 4K TV for, a, for pretty cheap now for really a couple hundred dollars, which I remember just a couple of years ago, even just getting any sort of 4K TV was was a pretty expensive uh, endeavor. Um, so the price of 4K overall has gone down a lot, but I think some of that might be due to anticipation that people are really going to gravitate towards uh, the OLEDs um, in the next year or two. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. Um, again, I have so much uh, backlog on my PS4 and Switch right now that... Um, I'm in not I'm not in a super rush to upgrade all of this stuff right now, but I'm definitely starting to think about you know when I might want to do that, and and I know eventually I will. So, you know, I I I did enjoy sort of doing some of the research over the last couple of weeks and just keeping an eye on on what the the prices looked like for for OLED TVs. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that's really. Um, that kind of sums up some of my Thanksgiving activity. Uh, I am coming off a little bit of a, of a nerd uh, high right now, just, uh, you know, as you probably have gathered, if you've been listening to the podcast or if you know me, you know, I'm a a long time uh, wrestling fan and I was just watching uh, AEW wrestling, which I'm a a fan of uh, on TNT. It's sort of a, uh, you know, a competitor to WWE that just has been formed in the last uh, really a year, year and a half. And they have, you know, some ex WWE people. They have some people that were big in other territories like Japan. Um, So they had a big event tonight where they had a big title match between uh, one of my favorites, Kenny Omega and uh, John Moxley, who used to be in WWE under the name of uh, Dean Ambrose. And so that was a really good match. Uh, but then the big thing, if you're a longtime wrestling fan, was uh, Sting, the legendary uh, wrestling icon. Sting returned uh, in this episode or in the special for uh, of AEW. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people in my kind of age bracket grew up with Sting. You know, he was like the absolute coolest kind of real life superhero type of character throughout the uh you know mid to late 90s and then into the 2000s and uh you know he's he's older he's uh he's uh a bit grayer but just seeing him uh with that with that crow style makeup that he has uh make this big grand entrance in AEW tonight and and it was pretty surprising too I don't think it hadn't necessarily been something that was on people's radars um he had last been seen in, in WWE uh, a while back, um, but he hasn't been on TV in, in a couple of years now. Um, so seeing him return and make this big, big surprise, splashy entrance, I definitely uh, reverted to my inner, you know, thirteen-year-old uh, and was just totally nerding out uh, over that. And I'm still on kind of a bit of a, a bit of a rush from that. So, so that was a lot of fun. Um, if you're, if you're a wrestling fan and missed out on that, definitely, you know, do a Google search and, and watch the, uh, the clips of it. Cause 
you'll uh, you'll definitely get a nostalgia rush um seeing seeing uh the stinger return so that was cool um but yeah i've got a lot to talk about this week i think i'm gonna in the interest of time probably have to save some of my uh picks for for next week but um i'll be back in just a second with my first uh all right so my first pick of the week uh is a a pretty big movie that comes out uh this uh comes out basically today uh to rent uh it's been out in theaters and drive-ins and things like that for a while um and i was able to see kind of an early viewing of it um a while back but i wanted to talk about it today now that everyone can safely uh, rent it from the comfort of their home on uh, itunes uh, amazon voodoo wherever you get your movies from um and in full disclosure this is a movie that uh i've had some involvement with from a, a work perspective so wanted to mention that but uh really i'm just as a fan kind of calling out uh how much i enjoyed it and the movie is freaky um so uh this is a movie that's from uh, blumhouse uh who obviously is, is you know they're the masters of the low budget uh horror movie and they turn out you know all kinds of movies a lot of them are really good and um you know i think what's cool just from a, a entertainment industry perspective is that they do a lot of these very low budget movies that end up becoming, you know, big hits and they have great hooks and great premises and fun casting um, that, you know, you, you never quite know, but a lot of them uh, end up doing really well at the box office. Um, and, and it'll be interesting to see the response to uh, freaky, but this one um, it's sort of a horror comedy um, and it's from the director, Christopher Landon, who um, has done uh, another Blumhouse movie that a lot of people liked, uh, me included, called Happy Death Day. And this is a very similar movie to Happy Death Day um, in terms of tone. Um, again, similar kind of like very comedic uh, kind of, you know, winking at the audience type of vibe. Um, but Freaky, it stars uh, Vince Vaughn. And also Catherine Newton, who um, I was a big fan of from the TV show on Netflix, uh, The Society. Um, and, and of course, seeing this, uh, seeing her in this made me, you know, angry all over again that uh, The Society was kind of prematurely canceled by Netflix uh, a while back, which uh, is very frustrating since it ended on a, a lot of cliffhangers. But in any case, I digress. Um, you know, uh, Catherine Newton, she's great and freaky. She plays, um, a, a teenage girl who through kind of a series of, of mystical events, um, she's sort of the classic like girl pursued by this, you know, slasher movie, serial killer played by Vince Vaughn. And right as he's kind of about to, to, uh, you know, end her, <laughs> so to speak, uh, a mystical thing happens and the two of them swap bodies. And so the teenage girl finds herself in the body of this burly uh, serial killer, Vince Vaughn. And Vince Vaughn's serial killer uh, finds himself suddenly in the uh, body of this teenage girl. Um, and hilarity ensues. And, um, you know, the movie just has so much fun with the premise. And Vince Vaughn and Catherine Newton are both so 
you know, game for for this. And they both just really bring their all to these roles and uh, have no shame and no uh, they're not holding anything back in terms of just making themselves look like total uh, ridiculous fools for the sake of, of the comedy of the movie. And uh, the movie, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it goes to some very uh, kind of almost shocking places in terms of the lens it will go to, uh, you know, get, create these big moments and these big uh, comedic moments. Um, and so there's stuff in here that I really, uh, my jaw was a little bit on the floor in terms of, of where they went with some of the, the storylines uh, in a good way, because, uh, you know, they didn't play it safe. They really just go all out in terms of mining the humor from the premise which I love. Um, I, you know, I love that the movie just has as much fun as humanly possible uh, with the premise. And um, again, it's just a very fun movie. It's very over the top. There's a lot of uh, very like fun, cartoonish, uh, you know, violence and gore. Um, and it, man, it would have been fun to see this in a packed theater with a, a big audience. Um, you know, I said the same thing last week when I talked about the movie Run on Hulu, and I feel similarly with this one that it would have been a really fun uh, audience movie. But um, yeah, if you like, you know, horror comedies, if you like stuff like Scream, Happy Death Day, um, you know, um, uh, Ready or Not is another good comparison title. Um, definitely give this one a watch. It's just so much fun. Um, it's a great just sort of midnight movie. Actually, I will say if you if it's still playing in a drive-in near you, I think seeing it in a drive-in would be a lot of fun too. It feels like kind of the perfect like late night drive-in movie in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, this is just a really good, fun uh, horror comedy um, that that I think people will will like a lot. So um, if you're looking for just like a purely fun, uh you know funny um shocking uh just ridiculous movie to watch um this weekend i would definitely recommend freaky um i, I really enjoyed it and uh you know i think this is this is the best vince vaughn has been in a while um in anything um and Catherine newton i think is great i think she has a, a bright future for sure so yeah i definitely recommend freaky and give it a rent uh, this weekend. So that's what I'll say about Freaky. And uh, I will be right back with my second. All right. So for my second pick of the week, uh, this one is sort of a very low hanging fruit, no brainer pick. Um, I was probably a little bit late to the party on this one, only in that I think uh this this show came out on netflix a couple weeks ago and just very quickly it became like a, a huge sensation and just a viral hit which is so interesting to me to observe you know how that happens in this age of netflix and i feel like there's so many shows that just sort of come out and nobody's watching them and they don't really they just sort of slip through the cracks i guess um because i feel like netflix does a very limited amount of traditional marketing and so they really rely on um certain shows to just become these big breakout viral word of mouth hits 
and that certainly has happened with this show, which is the Queen's Gambit. And um, I was definitely interested as soon as I heard about it. I mean, you know, again, like given the way Netflix releases a lot of these shows, I mean, I had not, the show is not on my radar whatsoever um, before it came out. And then it was really only after that I, that I really even heard about it. But once I did, I was, I was immediately interested because I, you know, I've been saying for a couple of years now that uh, I think Anya Taylor-Joy is just one of the absolute best young uh, actors out there. And ever since uh, I saw her in the movie, The Witch, where I thought she was just phenomenal, um, I've been, you know, thinking, all right, this is, this is one of the next great uh, actors that, that uh, you know, of the kind of younger uh, generation. And, um, you know, I liked her a lot in other movies like Thoroughbreds. Um, and she just is one of those people that anytime she's attached to something, you can sort of uh, expect she's going to deliver a great performance. And so I was curious about this one. And and then I started hearing people say, like, you know, so so obviously this show is about chess. It's about a woman uh, or, you know, kind of a she starts out as a young girl. Then you follow her through like her teenage years and beyond um, sort of through the 1960s. Um, and she is this just prodigy at chess. And so that was kind of interesting. And I thought, OK, that's cool. But then. I kept hearing people describe it as basically being Rocky, but with chess. And that, of course, being, a, you know, me being a huge fan of the Rocky movies, that that definitely piqued my interest. And so I'm only three episodes in. So there's, a, there's I believe, uh, seven episodes. And so I'm, I'm not even halfway through yet. So, But I did just want to say that, you know, the first couple episodes alone are just really good. Um and I will say that it's a mini series, so I, you know, technically, I don't know if you call the first episode a pilot or not, but that first episode is just incredible. It's just such a great piece of TV, such great writing, such a great setup for the show, um, and it just has such big, sort of dramatic high points, including a great kind of cliffhanger, uh, or, or not even cliffhanger, but a just great like exclamation point for the ending of the episode. I mean, I feel like I'd love to see that script as a writer and just sort of almost study it a little bit because it's so fascinating. I mean, it sets up the show so perfectly. And yet from the perspective of like selling the show, it doesn't even really feature the main actress, Anya Taylor-Joy. Uh, in that first episode, other than just a quick framing device at the at the beginning of the episode, um, so man, I, it, it's interesting. To, you don't see that very often, and you know whether it's a series or mini series. But uh, I think the setup that they do in that first episode is so good, and the other uh, actress who plays like the younger version of Anya Taylor Joy's character, the main the main protagonist of the show is so good. Um, I mean, I don't know how old she is, like 10, 11 years old, but she just kills it as this younger version of the character. Um, and it sets up this very, um, it almost has like this kind of American horror story uh, type feel where, um, you know, this young girl is sort of in this orphanage and they're sort of giving them these drugs that, that keep them sedated and, 
it's very uh, almost eerie, the kind of conditions that they're in. And, and this girl sort of ventures down into the basement and she's, there's this kind of quiet, uh, you know, uh, janitor dude who kind of starts to mentor her and how to play chess. And it goes from there. And I, you know, I don't want to spoil anything, but it almost creates this very like Gothic uh, type of atmosphere. Um, and then when you get into episode two and three and beyond, where Anya Taylor-Joy starts taking over as the older version of the character, um, you know, she just also brings so much to it. And she plays this very, like, uh, sullen uh, character who's very soft-spoken and doesn't talk a lot. Um, You know, but so everything is internalized with her. And, uh, you know, a lot of it is, a lot of the depth of, of the show and of the character is you sort of, reading things between the lines and reading the expressions on her face and looking at her eyes. And, uh, you know, again, she just does such a good job of having that like inner, um, life to the character, um, that's beyond just simply the, the words that she's saying. I mean, she really is just a phenomenal actress. Um, and, in the show, it, it does have just that very poppy, um, I don't know if that's the right word, but it has that certain Netflix feel to it where uh, it's just very watchable. It reminds me of, you know, recently I watched The Haunting of Bly Manor and it has almost a similar feel where there's not, um, you know, the show is told in a very straightforward manner and it uses some really interesting visual techniques and you know, there's a whole thing where the way that the main character kind of visualizes chess and they do some really interesting things around that. But it's just told in a very straightforward manner. And, you know, sometimes I think the criticism of these shows is like, you know, sometimes it feels like Netflix almost designs them where you can kind of tune out for a minute and not really miss too much. Or you can be like looking at your phone and, you know, you're not you're not missing too much if you look away from the screen for a minute. Um, and, you know, I, I think this show is, is good enough that you want to be focused on it at all times, but it's also written and presented in such a way where it, it has that almost Netflix house style of like, you know, it's not, um, demanding your full concentration at every second. So it just makes it like, you know, it's very easy to just watch it, um, without feeling like you need to be fully fixated on every detail, I guess. Um, so it, it can be just very easy to binge through the episodes, very easy to sort of just um, have the show on and not feel like you're missing anything too important. But um, yeah, it's interesting. Again, I feel like that's something that Netflix gets criticized for, but um, I think it can be nice versus some other shows um, where you feel like you have to rewind, you know, the show every five seconds just to understand what was happening. Um, and, and sometimes you do see that in, in, in some shows. Um, but yeah, this show is just so easy to digest, I guess would be a good way to put it. Um, and, but it's great. I mean, that's not to take anything away from it. I mean, uh, the characters are great. Um, it's really well written. It has a very kind of almost soapy quality to it um, where you're kind of, you know, there is like a, 
uh, I've heard people compare it almost to like anime, um, which is not my area of expertise, but I, I sort of know what they're talking about of like, you know, it has this soapy, like who's going to hook up with who type of quality to it, even amidst like all the, the drama of, of the chess games and all that. Um, and so like on one hand, it has like this very serious weighty gravitas to the storytelling, but it also has this very like, all right, is she going to hook up with that guy type of, uh, type of soapiness to it. So it somehow straddles that line really well. Um, and again, I, I guess, I guess that's sort of like a whole subgenre of anime of like these anime sports, uh, you know, series that, that sort of have a similar, uh, almost vibe to it, but yeah, really enjoying this one. Um, I can't wait to finish it. And, um, you know, it's one of those shows that it's almost easy to be annoyed with because there's been so much hype for it over the last couple of weeks. But, um, I, you know, I think it's worth checking out. Uh, it's just, it's such a watchable, such a, uh, you know, just such an entertaining show. So, yeah, Queen's Gambit. You probably don't need to hear my word for it, but um, check it out. It's, it's what everyone's talking about, and uh, it's deserving of all the chatter. So I'll be right back with my third pick of the week. Okay, so my third and final pick of this week um, is a new Netflix comedy special that I've been really looking forward to since I heard about it, which I only heard about it like a week or two ago. Um, but, but it was one of those things that when I saw it um, advertised on social media, I was very excited because um, basically some quick background is that several years ago, I, uh, you know, I, I kind of come from a sketch comedy background. I did, uh, when I was in college, I was the head writer for a sketch comedy group at BU uh, called Overexposed, which I really love doing. And that's probably one of the things that, um, you know, really got me serious about writing and trying to do writing for TV uh, and film. And I love comedy. Uh, my own writing has a little bit shifted away from pure comedy and sketch comedy to more, uh, you know, sci-fi genre stuff. Um, but I, I will always love comedy. I'm a big comedy nerd. And I was taking classes as, you know, one does when, when you come to L.A. Uh, and are into writing and comedy. At uh, I took classes at the UCB Theater. And um, I was doing sketch classes. And, you know, as part of that, what they do is they ask you to go to at least a couple of UCB shows to sort of, in order to pass the class, they want you to sort of, you know, support the theater and, and see shows. And it's great education too. Um, you know, the only challenge of that is that, um, you know, it's hard to know there's so many shows. Uh, it's hard to know which one is, is worth going to and, um, you know, which ones you should check out. And, you know, you, the last thing you want to do is go to like just a really bad show. Not that there's bad shows at UCB, but, um, you know, there's ones that are more like introductory level. There's ones that are just really amazing performer, you know, performers. Um, it's a little bit of a crapshoot, but, um, you know, I happened to go to this one show where someone I knew was performing in it. And so, 
you know, I, I was like, oh, I'll go to this show, support this guy I know. Um, and I was asking him, what's the show? And he was saying, it, oh, it's, you know, uh, people are sort of working out characters in the show. Um, and so that sounded interesting because most of the time it's either like a sketch show or an improv show. And this was sort of like a third thing that was almost like kind of in between the two. And so I was really curious. I mean, I love like character-based comedy. Um, I always have loved that kind of comedy. And so I thought, oh, that's really interesting. And, you know, again, like with any UCB show, there were some uh, people's characters that were funnier than others. There were some hits, some misses. But there was this one girl that came out um, and did this performance that just like blew me away. Um, and I found out later that uh, her name was Natalie Palomides. And so I instantly was like, man, this this girl is is so talented. Like she's going to be on SNL or something like in the next couple of years because you could just see like the raw talent she had um, at comedy. And basically she came out and was doing this character, kind of like workshopping it. Um, that was sort of this like stereotypical, like kind of trucker mustached dude, um, you know, character and had like the flannel shirt and this big handlebar mustache and was sort of jokingly like kind of with a kind of a wink to the audience, just talking about all this like stereotypically masculine stuff in just a really funny way. And like, uh, deprecate, you know, satirical way, I guess you would say. Um, but it, she was so like, you know, she, you could tell she was making a lot of stuff up on the spot, but all of it felt so true to that character. And this character just felt like real almost in terms of how well she was almost on the fly, like defining the character and kept adding these like weird layers to it. Like a lot of the best comedy characters have. Um, and so I was so impressed with that performance i was telling everyone after like oh man like this this girl natalie uh palomita she's gonna be huge i mean i, I haven't seen this is the best performance i've seen at, at ucb and uh so you know then when i saw like oh wow she has this netflix special um and it's based on that same character that i saw her kind of workshopping uh years ago I was so excited by that. And uh, it was so cool to see her make that leap and get this uh, platform. So I, I eagerly watched the special. It just came out this week uh, on Netflix. And it's called Nate, a one man show. And so um, it's one of those things I almost don't, I, I guess, uh, you know, go in kind of cold, but go in knowing that it's definitely not for the faint of heart. Like, uh, it's very uh, shock value kind of comedy and it's very like weird, strange, dark alt comedy. Um, so if you're not into that, then this probably isn't for you. But if you just like strange boundary pushing, um, you know, comedy that just kind of breaks a lot of rules and uh, is designed to sort of leave your jaw on the floor, uh, then definitely watch it. Um, you know, she's playing this character, uh, just, you know, and she's like this kind of petite, short, uh, girl, but she's playing this like hyper masculine, you know, 
dude with like a mustache and fake chest hair and this flannel jacket and this kind of deep voice, deep gravelly voice that she's, that she's doing. Um, and it just gets weird and it just gets, uh, it, it, there's like a lot of crazy interaction with the audience and a lot of part of the, the cringe comedy of it is that, you know, people in the audience are there as part of a festival and, uh, you know, they don't, even really know what they're watching and so so there's a lot of just shots of like the audience being stunned at what's going on in front of them which is very amusing uh if you like that kind of stuff and there's a lot of just like awkward audience participation which is great and uh and uh it's one of those comedy shows that's um it's just so ridiculous in a lot of ways and a lot of it is just pure like visual sight gags and and crazy stuff. Um, but there's also this weird, profound quality to it um, that uh, it's hard to exactly explain. But if you watch to the end, you know it, it goes to actually some kind of deep places and has a lot of things to say about, you know, sexuality and masculinity uh, and consent. And uh, there is kind of a depth to it, a hidden depth to it, I would say, that that by the end of the of the show, you sort of, it leaves you with a lot to think about, actually. <laughs> um, but it's, it's good. It's definitely a one-of-a-kind thing. You have never seen anything like this show before. Um, so check it out for sure. If you like weird comedy as I do. Um, so again, it's called Nate, a one man show. Um, it's from this comedian, uh, Natalie Palomitas, who's hilarious. Um, so check it out on Netflix. It's out this week and, uh, a really crazy time. Uh, so that's all I've got for this week. Uh, hope you guys are doing well. Thank you for listening. And I will be back next week with uh, even more pop culture to uh, talk about. So I'll be back. And uh, thanks again, you guys.